you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. At this time, we'll dismiss the children to go out to the new hall for Children's Church. That's kindergarten through fifth grade. What a blessing this morning to be here, to join together as a congregation in song. And what a beautiful blessing it is to sense, to know that the Holy Spirit is present here, ministering to us and teaching us and strengthening us and guiding us. Praise God. Alex, a couple weeks ago, did a beautiful job bridging between where we left off in May and where we're going to pick back up today. And as he told you, he had that sermon prepared for a little earlier. But the twins cooperated, and they waited a little bit, and it all worked out. But what a blessing it has been. I mentioned it a few times, but over these last couple months, with Josh doing the bulk of the, of the pulpit time, and Eric and Chris and Alex all filling in and helping also, it truly is a blessing from my side of it, and I know that you as a congregation are blessed too to, to see those men willing to step up and fill those positions. Back in May, as we were going through the Sermon on the Mount, I looked at hypocrisy in giving. In a few weeks, we'll be looking at hypocrisy in fasting and what that means and what that looks like. Today, we begin a two-week look at prayer in this sermon. Today, we look at hypocrisy in prayer. This week, as we have this two-week study on prayer, we look at the purpose of prayer, why we pray. Next week, we look at an example of prayer, a very familiar example of prayer that Jesus gives us in this Sermon on the Mount. Today, as you see your outline in your sermon notes, we have three items. We have the don't, how and why not to pray, the wrong motives for prayer. We have the do in the appropriate attitude, the heart attitude for prayer, how to pray in the way that God desires us to pray. And finally, the why, the purpose for prayer. Why do we pray? Why do we seek that communication, that fellowship with God? But first, before we get to those three points, I want to ask the question, what is prayer? Simply defined, it's a solemn request for help or an expression of thanks addressed to God. And in this academic definition or an object of worship, but we all know there only is one true being, true entity, one God who is worthy to be worshipped. And that's the God that we want to look at this morning as we study prayer and our motives for prayer. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord, we praise you, God. We praise you for the presence of your spirit. We praise you, Lord, for hearts, and we pray for hearts 
that are open to you, to hear you, to seek you, to worship and honor you, Father God. We pray that you would guide us as we look at motives this morning, as we look at the purpose for prayer, as we look at the privilege of prayer, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, first of all, the don't, as we said. In verse 5, and Daryl, I uh, am giving you my scriptures this morning. I failed to tell you when we are going to go back to those others, so just uh, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll, we'll cover them. We're going back to verse 5. He says, you must not be like the hypocrites. There's that word hypocrites again. Alex mentioned it two weeks ago. I covered it back in May. Basically, our contemporary, our modern definition of a hypocrite is someone who says one thing and does something else. That is true. That is an accurate definition. It still applies biblically. But the basic meaning of the Greek word that is translated hypocrisy or hypocrite here is an actor. Someone who is pretending to be something that they're not. Very intentionally, very purposefully pretending, acting like something that they're not. Jesus is describing someone who's trying to act like a righteous person by doing righteous acts, by doing righteous things. And then in the process, they're making sure that everyone notices what they're doing, that everyone sees what they're doing. And he's telling them, basically, don't be like those who act like believers. They're not really believers. They just act like they are. They've studied the script. They know what they've been told. They've followed their other leaders. And they've learned how to act like believers. But they're not really believers. He says they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. You say, well, Kevin, that pretty much gets me off the hook because I don't desire to pray in public. How many people sitting here this morning, the thought of standing up and leading this congregation in prayer sends you into sheer panic? That doesn't get you off the hook. Don't tune me out just because you're not tempted with that. That's not a way that you try to showboat or try to draw attention to yourself. This truth, these truths here this morning still directly apply to you. Again, make it contemporary. Make it modern. What about social media? Have you ever noticed how brave people get on Facebook? They'll post things on Facebook that they'd never say to someone's face. That they wouldn't stand up in this congregation this morning and say, positive or negative. They're not brave enough to do that. There's about 300 people here or so this morning, give or take. You post something on Facebook, depending on how many friends you have or how many people share it, it can reach thousands of people. We're not too shy to do that. It's understandable, though. There's a disconnect. But it is a platform where you can act. You can be a hypocrite there also. You can publish all of these beautiful spiritual posts, or you can repost a link to an article that makes you look pretty spiritual. But it can all still be an act for the purpose of drawing attention to yourself, for making people think that you're something that you're not. But going back to the context and the analogy that Jesus is using, is standing the problem, these hypocrites that are standing, is the actual posture of standing, is that the problem? Is what you actually share on social media, is it the problem? It may all be good, but is it the problem? The truth is, it doesn't matter if the individuals that Christ is talking about, it doesn't matter if they were sitting, standing, or lying down. 
There are different postures all over Scripture of people engaged in prayer and communion with God, the appearance of prayer and communion with God. It's not about the standing. It's not about the posture at all. He goes on to say that they may be seen by others. If their purpose for standing on the street corner, standing in front of a congregation to pray is so that others will think highly of them, so that they'll be seen by others. If your purpose of making that post on Facebook is so that others will think highly of you, that's the issue. If your purpose isn't to glorify God and bring honor to God, that's the issue. It's the motive behind the act, whatever that act is. It's the why. Because as Alex said, the why matters. It's not what you do, it's why you do it. These hypocrites wanted man's attention. Jesus says, they have received their reward. This reward is defined as the appropriate consequence or completion of a course of action. The end result. It's the effect of their actions. The result of what they've done. These hypocrites got the attention they were looking for. People looked to them. People thought highly of them, probably, if they didn't know them personally. But they thought highly of them because of the actions they were performing and the righteousness they appeared to have. But Jesus says that's the it. That's the end of their reward. You say, that sounds kind of harsh by a loving God, doesn't it? Well, it would be harsh if God's motive was revenge. If he was washing his hands and saying, I'm just done with you. But God is grieving that truth. He's grieving the fact that that is the end of their reward. But God is pure, and that's why he's grieving it. That's why he longs for so much more from those who profess to be his children, from those who truly are his children. He gives these hypocrites the reward that they are seeking. But they are selling themselves short. Christ has a greater reward for them. Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. God wants to give them eternal life. They're seeking temporary recognition. They're seeking a pat on the back, a nod of approval. It's temporary. It's fleeting. Christ wants to give them something of great, eternal, and everlasting value. He goes on in this text to give another do not. He says, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. So, Kevin, if I ramble on a bit in my prayers, if I get nervous and ramble on, he won't hear me? No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus, in fact, elsewhere in Scripture, encourages persistence. You go to, and we won't turn there this morning, but if you go to Luke chapter 18, you see the account of the persistent widow. He blesses her for her persistence. Persistence is repetition. It's continuing to do something over and over until you see results or until God tells you to do something else. But again, the difference is motive. The why. Do you think that more words or bigger words, more academic words, will make your prayers more effective and heard more clearly by God? Do you think by your persistence that you can wear God down? 
age myself real well, Hilbert. I don't know how many of you watch Family Matters and Urkel. Steve Urkel. Forgive me for what I'm about to do, but I'll try to imitate him a little bit. But he would say, I'm wearing you down. Do you remember that statement? Is that sometimes the way that you treat God with your prayers? Because you are so focused on your agenda, on your recognition, your approval, that you forget that God has the ultimate say. God has the ultimate wisdom. He is omnipotent. He is all-knowing. He knows things that we can never ever dream of attaining because we're not Him. And if that's your goal, if your goal is to wear God down, then you're not listening. You're insisting on your way, on your agenda, on your recognition. Pure persistence comes out of a pure heart. Well, that's the do-nots in the text. Now we come to the do. The instructions that Christ gave the readers, this instruction that Christ gives us. He says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And pray to your Father who is in secret. He's saying don't pray in selfishness. Don't pray in pride. Don't pray focused on yourself. Because the reality is it's not really prayer. How did we define prayer? A solemn request for help. Or expression of thanks. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Pray in humility. Humility meaning it's not about me. It's not about what I want, what I think I need. It's all about God. Our focus is bringing worship, in in worshiping and bringing glory and honor to the God who created us. Make it all about God. But why pray? It brings us to the why. Why do we pray? What's the purpose of prayer? I say, Kevin, what makes you ask that question? What's the next verse? In verse 8, it says, Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Well, what's the point? If he already knows what we need, why do we have to ask for it? Why doesn't he just give it to us? The hypocrites did it for show. We are called, as I said, to do it in humility. As a display of our hearts that are surrendered to the God who created us. The hypocrites thought, the Gentiles thought, that they convinced God with many words. Or big words. God just wants us to be real. God wants us to be ourselves, broken and realizing that we need Him. That all we need is Him. God doesn't have to be nagged. God doesn't want to be nagged by a selfish, prideful sinner. That's not what He desires. Our Father knows what we need before we ask Him. Martin Luther put it this way, by our praying, We are instructing ourselves more than we are Him. John Stott says, the purpose of prayer is not to inform or persuade God. 
The purpose of prayer is not to inform or persuade God, but to come before Him sincerely, purposefully, consciously, and devotedly. Prayer is sharing the needs, burdens, and hunger of our hearts before our Heavenly Father, the God who created us, who already knows what we need, but who wants us to ask Him. He wants to hear us. He wants to hear our hearts. He wants to commune with us more than we could ever want to commune with Him. His desire for us greatly outmeasures our desire for Him. Why is that? Because His love for us is so much greater than our love for Him. We would not be able to love if not for His love for us. He has every reason to say, look at me, I'm God, I'm great, I'm amazing, I'm incredible. He says, He has every reason to say, listen to me, do exactly what I tell you to do. He has every power to force us to do what He desires for us to do. Prayer is our giving God the opportunity to display His power. God wants us to acknowledge that He is all we need. But we're too busy trying to fulfill our needs with our own abilities and our own talents and our own resources, our own circle of friends. And that's what God wants us to become aware of, that none of those things will satisfy, but only He will satisfy Because He is all we need. Again, He wants us to acknowledge that He is all we need because He is all we need. John chapter 14, verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. To pray rightly is to pray with a God-fearing heart. And with pure motives, it is to pray with focus on God rather than on other men. And it is to pray with confidence that God both hears and answers. Not some of our prayers, but every request made to Him in faith. He always repays our sincere devotion with gracious response. If our request is sincere. If our request is sincere, but not according to His will, He will answer in a way better than we want, better than we expect Him to. But He will always answer in some way, in His time and in His, and in his way. These hypocrites that Jesus is speaking of in his sermon were not sincere in their grandstanding. It was all about them. It was all about attention to them. Their many words were not from a humble heart, not from a heart that was seeking the best, not from a heart that was seeking the will of an all-knowing, pure God, just God. There is a time to pray in public with the right heart attitude. There is a time for persistence, but it must come from a heart that is seeking to glorify God. 
not from a heart that is seeking to glorify itself. By acting like we think others want us to act, to get recognition from them. Christ didn't die so that we could act like a child of God. Christ died so that we could be a child of God. Christ stepped down from his position at the right hand of his heavenly Father, of our Creator, dwelt on this earth in the midst of fallen man, in the midst of sin, lived a perfect life, suffered persecution, faced the ultimate tragedy of death on a cross, died and was resurrected, not to show us how to act like him, but to give us the privilege of being a child of God because of his sacrifice. And we, in essence, spit in his face when we try to imitate him without actually having a relationship with him. When we try to claim the gifts of his promises, the gifts of his sacrifice, the gifts of the gospel, when we try to imitate those things without actually surrendering our lives to him, we in essence spit in his face. Many of you here this morning, some of you here this morning, I don't know. Because the fact is, you are good actors. I've been a good actor at times. I still can be an actor at times. You've been well trained in the art of acting like a Christian at times. Don't we have a tendency as parents to sometimes teach our children to act differently around different people? Do you sometimes act differently when the pastor's around? I used to. I might still when pastor friends are around. There's a certain expectation that we take upon ourselves. It's a false expectation. It's a crippling expectation. But we have been conditioned to act for approval, for recognition. How many public figures have you seen fall? I just read an article yesterday of the director of a drug rehab center in our state of Indiana who has been arrested for methamphetamine use. That doesn't make him a horrible person. But it means he was acting to a degree. Acting like he was something that he wasn't. How many public figures have you seen? How many politicians how many influential people, because of their celebrity status, have appeared to have had it all together? And someone finds a crack in their armor, a crack in their acting, and it all falls apart, and you see this wretched history that they had been hiding. They were miserable as they were putting up that act, as they were hold, trying to hold it all together to appear like something that they weren't. This morning, you know how to do the church thing. Some of you may know how to do the party thing. You know how to act at school. You know what's expected of you. You know how to act when you're at work, what your coworkers, what your boss expects of you so that you'll be accepted, so you'll be looked highly of. You know how to play the part no matter where you are. But when you get a new teacher, maybe you go to a new school, when you get a new boss, or you go to a new job, Maybe you get a new pastor, or you go to a new church. When you're acting, it's a moving target. 
You have to rethink who you are or who you appear to be depending on who you're interacting with. You're always adjusting your act. And you're going to get tired. You're going to wear out. You're going to get weary. You have to start avoiding people who can see you through the act. There are certain people on Sunday morning who you don't want to talk to because they saw you somewhere else through the week and you know that they know. Maybe at work you had an interaction with a coworker, and you try to avoid them or maybe sadly you even try to discredit them because you know they know something about you that destroys your act, that takes the mask off of your act. And you do all these things, you put up these false fronts, you act like this all for temporary recognition, for recognition, for acknowledgement that will disappear, that will fade away. The best actors, the best actors' benefits who accomplish the goal of fooling everyone they know in this world only last a lifetime. They don't go into eternity with them. The benefits of being a child of God are eternal. They last forever. The benefits of being a child of God are eternal life. I encourage you this morning, stop acting. I'm not scolding you. I'm not condemning you. My desire is to exhort you. By trying to keep up the false front that you are trying to keep up, you're exhausting yourself. You're selling yourself short. You're wearing yourself out. You're losing sleep. You're losing friends. You're unsettled unnecessarily. I encourage you to stop acting and start being. Start being who you are in Christ. If you have not begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, I encourage you to take that step. But if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, if you put your full faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, but you still struggle with trying to act like that perfect Christian, to act like what everyone expects you to be, stop. God, by God's grace, he will empower you to be sanctified, to become more and more in the image of Christ. But don't try to do it under your own power. The truth is, you're not going to do it perfectly. I told you this morning, I can even, even, obviously, I'm guilty of acting at times. I can stand up here and sometimes as a pastor, you, you see, well, another pastor, he uh, is greatly respectable. What does he do? Maybe I ought to imitate him. Maybe you guys would think if I was Josh, I could go back and forth like this. Daryl get tired of it. And I might fall off the stage. But we are all tempted at times to act. But when we push the reset button and say, God, what do you want me to be? How do you want me not to act, but how do you want me to be? Who am I in you? Because he has a unique task for you. He has a unique place for you. And you're going to look different than someone else. Someone said this morning, the, this week, related, they said, well, their family's not normal. And I said, well, what's normal? I'm not normal. Normal's relative. Anybody, anybody who says that they are normal... They're a little self-centered. <laughs> but anyway, think about it this morning. 
It's a lot easier to communicate with someone who knows you, who you don't have to put a front up with. When you're sitting there thinking, well, what did I tell them? What do they think of me? What do I need to say or do to maintain that appearance? No, if they truly know you, I can't put up a front with my wife. She knows me too well. I love that fact. It fosters deep communion between she and I. But when we live a life of hypocrisy and we try to put up a false front, it hinders our communion with God. God knows you completely. He knows where you were last night. He knows the off-collar jokes that you told to your coworkers this week. He knows that you're sitting here this morning and you're trying to act like a Christian. He loves you, but he knows the truth. He wants you to know him. He knows you and he wants you to know him. And when you know him, you will rest in the fact that you are accepted. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, but you are accepted when you put your full faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. He doesn't just want you to learn what he expects from you, the list of do's and don'ts, but he wants you to know what he has done for you. He wants you to embrace the finished work of his son, Jesus Christ. He longs to commune with you Not the perceived you, not the actor who is you, but the real you. He wants to hear you come to him in prayer, humble and honest and broken, and talking to him like you would your spouse or anyone who you think may know you the best here on earth. They don't know you anywhere nearly as well as God does. You don't know yourself as well as God knows you. So God's desire is for you to be real. To stop acting. To be who he created you to be in Christ. Are you acting this morning? As I prepare to close in prayer, I want to invite the praise team to come up. And as they lead us in a closing song, I want to open the altar again. I want to encourage you that this altar is never closed. If during praise and worship some Sunday morning, you have an urgency of the Holy Spirit to come up front and to kneel before God and pray, you come up here and pray. But this morning, I want to encourage you, as they're leading us in this final song, as I did a couple months ago, if you want to come forward and you want to drive a stake this morning, saying, God, I'm done acting. I want to be. I want to be a child of God. I don't want to act like a child of God. I want to be one. If you want to come up and you just want to be between you and God, come to this side of the stage, my right, your left. Kneel here before your Creator and confess to Him your fakeness your tendency toward acting. If you would like someone to pray with you, I encourage you to come to my left, your right, and kneel. And one of, the lead, one of the elders or anyone in the congregation that feels led to come and pray with you will come and pray with you if you come to this side. I encourage you to be honest and be real about that. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for the privilege to come before you honestly and humbly. Thank you, God, that we don't have to act like something that we're not. Thank you, God, that by your grace, you empower us to be who we are in you. Who, you are by the sh- who we are by the shed blood of your son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that if there are those here this morning who are so weary of acting, that they will step out to you and they will look to you and say, God, I'm tired of acting. I'm done acting. I want to be your child. I want to be who you want me to be. Thank you, God, for your spirit that empowers us to do that. We praise you and we thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.